Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. I wonder here tonight, if I was to ask you guys, even if you just close your eyes for a second and picture a good life, what does a good life look like to you? What does that mean to you? What is a good life? What would that look like for you? Now, I'm just going to leave you guys with that thought for a minute and we're going to jump into Ephesians 1, 16 to 23 um, and, and read a passage of scripture that Paul actually wrote as a letter to the Ephesian church. And it says this, it says, I do, I do not cease to give thanks for, for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You see, Paul here, he's writing this prayer that he has for the Ephesian church. And it's not that he's actually praying that they receive additional blessing. You see, Paul realized that they were already incredibly blessed. So he's not praying for them to receive additional blessing, but he's actually praying that they would come to know and come to realize the extent of the message that they've already received. And you see, that was Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church then. And it's, it's the same prayer for the church now. See, the church is God's people, and so that church remains for us today. That we would, that we would know that you know the riches of His glorious inheritance. That uh, we would know the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. You know, this. When I read this, this sounds like a pretty good life. This sounds like a great life, and you know, I I don't know um, for you what what you picture when you picture a good life but I do know that even though that is accessible to us life has a way of getting in the way doesn't it life has a way of getting in the way and with that I just want to pray before we continue father I thank you lord that we can be here tonight lord I thank you that we can um, listen to what you are wanting to say to us and father I pray that tonight that we would as Paul prayed for the Ephesian church lord I pray that tonight that your church, that we would come to know your glorious inheritance, Lord, that we would come to know and that we would have our hearts opened to knowing the full extent of the message that we have already received, Father. I pray that over this message tonight and over each person that is in this building, in Jesus' name, amen. As I said, I I don't know what you may have pictured when, when you pictured a good life, but I do know this. I know that whatever you picture as a good life will actually affect if you think that you're currently living one or not. What you picture as a good life will carry a lot of weight in terms of if you think that you're currently living a good life or not. You see, your perspective will either submit you to a slave mindset or it has the power to give you access to a freedom mindset. 
See, a slave mindset might look like a victim mentality. Does anyone have those people in their life and it's like, the world is against me. Woe is me. This, this life, everything's going wrong. I can't get anything right. And this job, that's not going right. And this person, it's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. The victim mentality. Maybe a slave mindset might look like nothing's ever enough. It's like that job's not enough. That person's not enough. In fact, maybe sometimes you actually feel like you're not enough. The slave mindset is typically very pessimistic. It's a very pessimistic approach to life. Versus a freedom mindset, which I believe looks more like knowing our identity in Christ. A freedom mindset looks more like knowing that God is enough for any circumstance, for any situation. A freedom mindset is a lot more optimistic because it carries the understanding that life goes beyond that specific moment in time. And so we can be optimistic because we know that our life doesn't end there, but there's more to come. You see, the thing about perspective is that it has the ability to directly affect our mood. Has anyone noticed that? It's like you, sometimes you're moody and you're like, what is going on? Why, why do I feel this way? And it's not until you, you look into it that you realise that something in your perspective is actually driving your mood and driving that outcome. If anybody had a reason to be moody because of circumstances, it has to be Paul from the Bible. You know, the guy had a rough set of circumstances, but yet he's a great example of this because despite his circumstances, he always chose the freedom mindset. He didn't live with rose-coloured glasses. It's not that he was blind to the reality of his situation. In fact, he knew that his situation was very real. He was living through it, but he had made a choice. You know, I, uh, I'm very proud of myself this year because this year I achieved something that in about eight, the last eight years of my life, I have not managed to achieve. Now, this very thing is joining a gym. Okay? It is something that I have considered for many years of my life, but it's something that I just never actually committed to. And this year was the year I joined the gym. And it's been good fun. I, you know, I enjoy exercising. I enjoy mo- getting moving. I enjoy doing that. And it, I like going to the gym. But my type of workout, my type of workout that I enjoy is probably what you'd call the comfort workout, right? It's, it's the kind of workout where you go, you feel good that you've gone to the gym, you feel good about yourself going to the gym, but you're not going to be too sore the next day. That's the kind of workout that is my natural, uh, my default workout. But you see, uh, I'm in a relationship with Zach down here and something that you know about that you might learn about Zach is that he loves the gym loves the gym and so when we you know if I haven't seen him that day and we say oh how how was that he says how's your day I'm like yeah I made it to the gym be proud and he'll say to me he'll often say did you work hard like well I tried and I had a great time and he'll say are you going to be sore tomorrow and I'm like um no probably not you know the thing is is that Zach realises something that I'm not quite willing to put into practice in terms of the gym. He realises that easy may appear appealing, but easy never brings growth. You know, Paul chose, Paul never chose easy. He never chose easy. Regardless of his circumstance, he never chose the easy way out. But yet he was still full of hope. You know, if we just revisit his life for a moment. Okay, so the guy, when he became a Christian, he became Christian through becoming blind with scales over his eyes. What an introduction. 
welcome Paul to Christianity. And then further than that, he then goes, actually, yeah, I am going to give my life to this God, um, even though I was just blind. And uh, yeah, I'll give my life to that, sure. So in giving his life to God and pursuing what um, he was called to do, he was imprisoned, you know, multiple times. He was, he faced the, um, the possible death penalty many times and eventually died for his faith. So it's, it's pretty safe to say that the guy did not live a comfortable life, did he? at all but yet we know that Paul was content in every circumstance and if I just um, turn to Philippians 4 11 to 13 it should come up on the screen behind me so you can follow along I love this it says not that I am speaking of being in need this is Paul writing to the Philippian church for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in every and in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. How does Paul do it? How does he have this incredible attitude? Well, he says that he does it all through Christ who strengthens him. You see, it had nothing to do with Paul's physical circumstance and everything to do with his spiritual circumstance. I believe that Paul understood something. He understood that just because his physical circumstances changed didn't mean that his spiritual ones had to. So just because his physical circumstances changed didn't mean that his spiritual one had to. And his mindset was concerned with knowing Christ. You see, Paul cared more about knowing Christ than he did about anything else, than he did about what it would cost him on the other end. He cared more about knowing Christ than what he may have to sacrifice for it. And he cared more about living out what he was called to do than what he might lose as a result. Philippians 3, 8 to 10, it says this. It says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. What an incredible attitude. What an incredible attitude. You know, imagine if as God's church, even outside of these four walls, outside of our own church, imagine if we carried this attitude that Paul carried. Imagine the impact that that would have. You see, I imagine a church where people are more concerned about who Christ is calling them to be and more concerned about knowing Christ and becoming more like him that we refuse to be less than what he's called us to be. That is the kind of church that is going to drive change on a global scale. That is the kind of church that is going to see this earth less like the one that we know and more like the heaven that we long for. That is the kind of church that I see making a difference in this world. You know, I, um, I like to picture people's responses to, to Paul's situations. If you can just imagine with me for a moment, you know, if you had someone in your life that had been put in prison, imagine that Pastor Ben goes to prison for preaching the word, right? Can you imagine our reactions to that? Oh my gosh, how, the poor thing. How's he going? Wow, like he must be so scared. What is, he might, he might be put to death for his faith. And we know that this happens all over the world and Christians are facing persecution. But can you imagine in, in the life, you know, that we live, that's a scary time. But yet, that's not what we see at all. 
In fact, what I believe could have been designed to shut down the church actually only motivated it. What could have um, seemed to bring destruction and distraction actually only motivated people. You see, Paul wrote like half the New Testament in, in jail. It's, it's pretty amazing the way that, that he approached this situation. You know, light always shines brightest in the darkness. Picture um, yourself driving and you've got your headlights on, right? But it's daytime. The headlights don't make much of a difference, do they? But the sun goes down and then all of a sudden the headlights are there and they're the thing that guides your way. Think about a room, you know, you've got a light on in a room and it, but all the other lights are on and it's daytime. It's, it's not going to make all that much of a difference. But suddenly when the, light, when the rest of the room is dark, that light seems to make so much more of an impact than it did before. You see, in Paul's situation, it may have seemed dark around him, but that light, that light was able to make such an impact because he carried a joy and a peace that shone bright in his, in his surroundings and his circumstance. And in this world today, I know that sometimes things can seem dark. Sometimes our circumstances and situations can seem dark. But I want to encourage you that if we can carry this attitude, if we can carry joy and peace with us into these situations, then we are going to be able to shine as a light. And the Bible says that that light can never be put out. That light is a light that can never be put out. And, you know, I was actually, as I got into my um, car this morning to drive to church, I turned on the radio and um, it was on Light FM. And the first thing that uh, came up was a sermon by Pastor Richard Kabakian from Lifehouse Church. And anyway, it said this. It was pretty much the first thing that came on when I got in the car. And it said, Today we're going to be talking about living life well. And, you know, it's important that we live life well because it's our biggest evangelism tool. And then he continued to say, if we can live with the joy and peace in our lives despite our situations and our circumstances, then we shine as a light in this world and we're able to use that as an evangelism tool because other people are watching in and they see that. And, you know, I thought, thank you, Pastor Richard. That is exactly what I needed for my message today. So I'm going to take that. But it's so true. Trials will reveal character. Trials will reveal character. And, you know, I don't think that we can truly ever comment on someone's character and know their full character until we see them in peak hour traffic in a car in the middle of road rage because that is a true trial of character right there. But... You know, trials have a way of revealing, of bringing things out of us, of revealing our character. Trials also have a way of strengthening our character as well. And it's, it's so important that we don't just settle for easy. You see, easy equals comfortable and comfortable is always a trap. Yeah, comfortable is always a trap. So I'd encourage you not to fall into it. You know, I am yet to meet a person and if you've met one, like, please let me know. I'd love to meet them. But I've never met a person that has independently overcome death. Yeah, anyone here met someone? Nah, nah, I didn't think so. Has anyone ever met somebody that has independently overcome evil? And in that I mean that they've lived a completely sinless life um, independently of God. Even with God, I'm, I'm still yet to meet someone that's able to do that. You know, it's, it's amazing because God in Jesus actually did both of those things. He overcame death and he overcame sin. And that means that Jesus is actually the only one that can rescue us from both. Now, I wonder where you've got your perspective from. 
Maybe it's from your upbringing, maybe it's from social media, maybe it's from the news, maybe it's from a group of friends, or maybe some of it's from church. In reality, it's probably a combination of all of those things. And that, that's okay. But I would say this, just because you have a perspective, it doesn't make it right. Yeah, just because you have a perspective doesn't actually make it right. Just because I have a perspective, it doesn't make it right. You see, the thing about perspective is when you really question it, you may even find that you don't even agree with yourself because perspective can be really, really subconscious. And so when we actually start to question our perspective, we may realise that even we don't agree with ourselves. I can guarantee this. Our perspective is not always consistent with a kingdom one. And when I say kingdom, I'm referring to God's kingdom. I'm referring to a perspective after God's own heart. A little while ago, I was um, hanging out with my mum and my sister and we were just spending some time together um, going around the shops and I came across a piece of jewellery that I loved. And it was too expensive for me just to be able to say, oh, I'm going to get that and just treat myself. Um, So I I decided that I was going to leave it there. But my sister reminded me of something. And she reminded me that the last Christmas, so last, last year's Christmas, She'd organised a present for me and she'd roped in my mum and dad because it was a little bit expensive for her to get on her own. So she'd roped in my mum and dad to get this Christmas present for me. Now, my sister has excellent taste, so I was very excited about this Christmas present. But unfortunately, they had sold out and so it had fallen through, which meant that I had credited to me one times Christmas present of X amount of dollars. And since the original one was jewellery, it made sense that this one would be jewellery. So my sister reminded me of this and I ended up getting the ring. And so I was so excited about, um, I was so excited about this piece of jewellery that they had bought me. And I wear it every day, it's on my hand and, and I, I, I'm reminded of this story all the time because the thing that happened next was I was so excited But there were really tight parking restrictions in the area that we were in and we were going to get a coffee. So I went to move my car. And I got back to my car and I saw for the second time in my life, in my eight years of driving, I saw a parking fine on my car. And you see, it was an expensive parking fine. I don't know, the council must be banking in hard, but it was an expensive parking fine. But this weird thing happened where I saw the parking fine and that that feeling of disappointment, that feeling of sadness, it just never happened. It just never came over me. I was so excited about my gift. There is just something about the joy of a gift. I was so excited about it that what could have come to try to bring disappointment and attach itself to me and change my mood just fell off me because I was so excited. You know, we have all been given a gift as Christians. The gospel is a gift. Our salvation is a gift. You see, as Christians, we believe that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, and Jesus came. He lived as fully God and fully man. And what we weren't able to do in living a sinless life and fulfilling the law, Jesus did. And he did that for us. Then he went on the cross and he paid the price for our sin. He took the weight of our sin and he paid the penalty for sin, which was death. And he paid that on a cross in a shameful and a really painful death. 
And from there, he didn't stay on the cross, but he rose again. And that means that he defeated the power of sin. He defeated the power of death. And what that means for us as Christians is that we are able to have relationship with him. We are able to have freedom. We're able to live in that freedom mindset, knowing that we are free, knowing that we are saved, knowing that our eternity is secure, knowing that we have a God that loves us, has a purpose and a plan for us. And that is good news. There's a reason that we call it good news. But you see, the thing about salvation, the thing about the gospel is that it's a gift because there's nothing that you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to change it. It's just that God has given that to us and it's up to us whether we receive it or whether we reject it. But there is something about the joy of a gift that never wears off. I mean, if I could be so excited about getting a ring from my, from my family that, you know, that disappointment just fell off me. Imagine the power of the gospel message and the joy that that brings in our life. That when disappointment may try to grab you, it can just fall off. You see, our perspective as Christians... Our perspective for life is that our, the, our perspective for, of life is founded on the truth of the cross. Even on your worst day, God died for you. As I said, there's a reason that we call it good news. You know, God has never let me down. God has never let me down. Now, does that mean that everything in my life has gone perfectly? Does that mean that, you know, everything's worked out the way that I wanted it to? Does it mean that I expect that everything in my life is going to continue on that journey? Absolutely not. Of course not. That's, that's not, you know, how my life has panned out. And I highly doubt that that's how your life has panned, out, has panned out too. But I know that my God has never failed me because the Bible says that my God will never fail me. And the Bible says that my God is good and he is working things together for my good. And as a Christian, I believe in the Bible and therefore I believe that God is good and he will never fail me. You see, in 2 Peter 3, 8 to 9, it talks about that God wishes that all should reach repentance. He is always with you in your trial and he's working for your good. Now, how you read this scripture may depend on how you define good. Because if good for you is having, you know, a house and a car, if good for you is, you know, being in a relationship or your marriage is going really well, if good for you is having enough money to be able to travel the world and do whatever you want, um, if good for you even is poverty being gone tomorrow or all sickness being gone, if that's what good means to you, then maybe you might actually be misunderstanding this verse a little bit. You see, it's not that those things are bad. In fact, if I woke up tomorrow and someone said to me, oh, poverty's gone, like, hallelujah, praise Jesus, this is amazing. You know, it breaks my heart to see the impact that that has. That breaks my heart to, to see, you know, images and pictures and know that that is the reality for so many people. But the thing is, is that, when we talk about good in the context of God working for our good, it's not talking so much about our perspective of good, but it's actually talking about us coming to know Christ more. It's talking about us becoming more like Christ. And, you know, God being the creator of the universe, God being the one that created us, I would say that he knows a thing or two about what's good for us, right? And then we would do well to, to listen to his perspective on what is good for us. You see, a good life isn't a set of circumstances, but it's a choice. And in Hebrews 13, 8, it says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God was good at the time of the cross, then God is still good now. Yeah? Your good life already exists in the truth of the cross. 
Nehemiah doesn't say the joy of my circumstances is my strength, does he? What does he say? He says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah, the thing about circumstances is they come and go. Circumstances are up and they're down. They're fleeting. They change. They come and go. The thing about God is he's the same yesterday, today and forever. So if our joy is based on our circumstances, then it's going to ride with the waves of life. If joy is based on our circumstances, we're going to see it come and go. We would do well to focus our joy and to, to base our joy on something that doesn't change, on something secure, to base our joy on the Lord. You see, Ben last week, he um, talked about the idle mind and I think he put it well. He said, the idle mind is the devil's playground. Yeah, because if we're focused on our circumstances, if we're distracted with that, then it's really easy for the enemy to come and use that and to draw us away from God. I would say this, be accountable, keep your mind accountable. Maybe for you this looks like, you know, writing it down in a journal and then writing down truth next to that. Maybe for you it looks like finding someone to talk to that can speak truth into your situation when you're finding it hard to do so. Maybe for you this might look like being really conscious of your thoughts and choosing to pray over your thoughts when you realise that they've gone astray. When I talk about the idle mind, if you weren't here last, last week, it's that mind when it's like you're not really thinking about anything else and then five minutes later you realise that you've turned into a crazy person and you have no idea how your mind jumped, five, you know, jumped through about ten situations, none of which looked very good and none of which you would choose to come true. That is your idle mind. Whatever you do, keep it accountable. Now I've heard it put this way. We have an uncertain future but a certain joy. And when I say an uncertain future, you know, our, our, um, our eternity is secure. But what happens tomorrow is uncertain. What happens tomorrow is actually uncertain. We have an uncertain future, but a certain joy. It is my position that I choose to believe that God is good and that life is good. I may not know what is ahead, but I know that my joy, I know that my strength, my state of being and my eternity is secure in God. And that is the position from which I stand and that we stand as Christians. In um, small group the other week, um, Emily Batchelor, who's around here somewhere, was sharing and I thought that she put it really well. She was speaking from Philippians and she said, you know what, God will not always give us the answer, but he will always give us our peace. He will always give us peace. He won't always give us the answer, but he'll always give us peace. And that is far better than the answer. You know, Amy put it really well in her Sunday 7 the other week. She says that God doesn't promise a perfect life, but he does promise perfect peace. Our hope isn't in outcomes of life, but in Christ alone. And I think that's so true. You know, part of the reason that I started um, thinking about this message in the first place is because I noticed this weird thing was happening where when I would talk to people, they'd say like, hi, how are you? And I would say, yeah, I'm good. And it's like, I'd wait. I'm like, I'm good. Like, work's going well, da-da-da-da. Family, yeah, this, that, da-da-da-da-da. And then they'd kind of just wait. About, but I'm good. And I realised that on their face was almost this, what their face was telling me was, well, you can't be good. You must be lying. You must just not be telling me the truth. What I felt like they were, you know, and I had a couple of people kind of almost say this to me where, it's almost as though they felt like if I wasn't saying that things were going wrong or if I wasn't talking about a perspective where I wasn't feeling good, 
then that wasn't okay because it was fake. I don't know if anyone else has noticed this or ever felt that pressure when having these conversations. It's like, I better come up with something that's going on because otherwise they're going to think that I'm lying. And, you know, it's not that everything was perfect in my life, but at the same time, I was good. I was happy to talk about those things, but my position is that I was good. Now, does it mean that you can't have bad days? Does it mean that you can't be moody? Does it mean that you can't feel Please do not take that away from today's message. If it's the last thing that you do, you know, we should absolutely feel we have emotions. God gave us emotions for a reason. You know, it's important that we allow ourselves to be able to feel them. But our position doesn't change based on our circumstances. And we know where we can go to be refreshed. You see, here are a couple of things that I do not want you to take away from today's message. Okay. So listen up to these. Number one, please do not take away that your problems are insignificant and do not matter. Your problems are absolutely significant and they absolutely matter. You know, there is nothing too small or too big for our God. I think that Matt put it really well earlier when he said, draw near the throne of grace because God cares for your needs. God cares. So never hear that your problems are insignificant because God cares no matter how small or how large. Number two, please don't take away that you shouldn't bother processing or feeling and you should just toughen up. If you have heard that, that is an absolute lie. Please never feel that way. It's actually really important to process. And, you know, this thing happens where if we don't process, if we don't allow ourselves to feel, it can almost present itself um, physically as well. You may think that mentally you're doing really well, but if you don't allow yourself to process, it can actually change physically how you present. As well as this, it can create different patterns of thinking in your mind if you're not processing things properly. So maybe, as I said before, it's finding someone to talk to that can give you truth when you're finding hard when you're finding it hard to see it. Maybe for you, actually just going and speaking to a counsellor or a psychologist might be awesome. See, the good thing about counsellors and psychologists is they're just like a, another friend. It's actually really normal to talk to someone. They're just like a friend, but they don't have the preconceived ideas going in. So if that's something that you think might be helpful for you, I'd encourage you, please go and do that. Number three, please don't feel like it's not okay to ask questions. We should ask questions. How are we supposed to understand our own perspective if we don't ask questions? It's important to ask questions. It's important to investigate why you believe what you believe. But I would say this as well. As you're investigating, as you're questioning, surround yourself with good people. As you are questioning, I would say go to sources that can speak truth back into your life. If it's, you know, internet sites, if it's people, whatever it is, go to a source that can speak truth back into your life and have people around you that can help you through that process. You see, today my aim really isn't to offend anyone and I know that even in a room this size, there are situations in people's life that you may have gone through or may be going through that I just cannot begin to understand. You see, everybody has a different set of circumstances and I'm not gonna pretend to understand what you might be going through. But in saying that, if if you were to come to church to only hear a self-help message that keeps you within a comfort zone, well, we said before, easy appears appealing, but it, it doesn't bring growth. You see, we come to church and we should be able to find growth. We come to church not to hear a message that's going to keep us in our comfort zone, but that's actually going to make us a little bit uncomfortable. 
And if there is something in this message that maybe does make you feel a bit uncomfortable, then find someone to talk to. Find someone to talk to about it because it's okay to feel a little bit uncomfortable. In fact, I'd almost say that's a good thing because from that place, you're able to grow, but don't leave it there. See, when things go wrong, where do you turn? Because I, just to keep it really practical, have written you a bit of a to-do list, okay? So number one on the to-do list is to remember that your good life already exists in the truth of the cross. In every situation, choose the mindset of victory. You see, we live from a position of victory because Jesus overcame death and he, over, and he, he rose again on that cross. So that is the position that we come from. Our position is that God is good and He is a God of hope. Okay, number two, invite God in. You see, we weren't designed to do life on our own. We weren't designed for that. So please, please, please do not try. Stay close to God and invite the Spirit into your circumstance. You know, God, you know, it talks about the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as the helper. So why would we not let the helper into our circumstance? Why would we not let the helper do what the helper does best? Number three, balance prayer and praise. You see, Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church, it showed that we already had such, we already have such incredible blessing in the message that we've already received. We shouldn't forget that or or let the gospel be taken for granted. You know, all the things, all the blessing that we already have in life, we shouldn't take that for granted. We should remember to praise God for it. But at the same time, we also need to remember that we find our reliance and our strength in God. And if we're not praying, then it's really easy for that hunger to waver. It's really easy for us to forget that our reliance is on God. So keep a balance of prayer and praise. Number three, Oh, sorry, number four. In 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18, it talks about focusing not on what is seen, but what is unseen. And in Colossians 3, 2, it talks about setting your mind on things above. You see, the Bible's amazing. It's got all of these great tips for us on what to do. It says that we will, fi- we will face trials, we will face tribulation, but it also gives us great instruction on what to do in those circumstances as well. Ben, when he was preaching last week, he made a big deal of declaring over your circumstance, of making declarations. Focus on the unseen. Declare God's promises over your life, even when you don't see them yet. Declare his promise over your life. Declare his goodness over your life, even in the midst of the darkness, even in the midst of your situations. I'm going to get everyone to stand. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.